Kent's Classics. Hello, listeners and Kent's Classics. This week we have my personal hero, the man, the legend, Tim Thomason. My thanks go to C. Courtney Joyner for setting up this conversation with the star of Trance's Uncommon Valor, Iron Eagle. The list goes on. I first saw him in Disney's The Brat Patrol. Now sit down with me and Jack Depp. He's been known as Chart, Derek Bardo, Jack LeBeau, Eli Van Cleef, Jay Allen, Barnes, Loy Colton, Major Dan Hackett, Colonel Ted Masters, Rhodes. We know him as Jack Death. I know him as the legend Tim Thomason. Thank you very much, sir, uh, Mr. Kent. Yeah, uh, Lloyd Colton, I think that was near dark, wasn't it? And then, uh, yeah. there was another one there. Ted, I like these names, Ted Masters. Ted Colonel Masters. Ted Masters. Yeah. You know? yeah. It was uh, a top uh, master guy, you know. I, ironically, Tim, whenever I think of you, I think of the line from Brat Patrol, uh, when you Brat were... Brat Patrol? Yeah. Jeez. I think of the line, uh, that you always say to Sean Aston when you, you know, you, you know, you, you... You're hard on him, but you kind of like the kid, and you say, look, hey, by, yeah, the, way, yeah. by the way, Leonard, there's been a s- reports of a sidewalk surfer who's been breaking the speed limit. If you see him, <laughs> tell him to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a line I said. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, that was a Disney piece directed by a woman, and Sean was a great, he was a great kid. Yeah. He was a really good kid, that kid. He, uh. His mom, you know, was the famous actress, married a, he was raised by an army guy. Yeah. So, you know, by an army sergeant. So he, he, and, and Brian Keith was, I had worked with Brian before on a, a TV show, Hardcastle McCormick, and Brian was, he's a gym, you know, this guy was a, a classic old time actor guy, you know, who, who'd been around and done, you know, a lot of great work and, you know, the, the, you know, decorated Marine in World War Two and, I think he. I think he told me he almost punched out Ernest Hemingway right. in Cuba, like after World War Two, because Ernest Hemingway pissed him off or something. <laughs> and Brian was a hothead Irish guy, you know, just out of the war. I right. guess uh, Hemingway was in his cups and he said something to Brian, and Brian, you know, he almost clocked the guy. He said, "So be who you think you're talking to." Yeah. One of these shitty books, you know. I'm like, I'm thinking of a writer, you know. <laughs> but I remember him telling me that was a pretty good story. I thought, but uh, yeah. yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was a brat patrol. That was, uh, wow. Yeah. What year that was? Year was that? Eighty nine, ninety, ninety four. Yeah, something like yeah. that. But um, yeah. you know, just you know, I, I, I've seen most of. I haven't seen all of your stuff, but I've seen most of it. But uh, ironically, whenever I think of you, that line just pops into my head, you know, because I just, huh. I see that. I, you know, man, I wish I could accommodate you. I have no memory of that at all. Yeah. I, you know, I zeroed out. You know, yeah. I, can, I do remember on that movie, though, that uh, we shot it on a real Marine base that's no longer existing called El Toro right. Air Base. And I played, you know, a major, right? So I'm on the, I'm walking, you know, I was in the, you know, I was in the army, you know, my dad was a Navy guy, so I grew up in the, I grew up in the military. Right. So I'm walking along and I remember these two Marines snapping off these, these salutes at me, you know, I'm a fucking Hollywood Marine, they don't, excuse my language, sorry about that. Yeah. But these guys are, you know, and so what I did was I saluted them with the wrong hand on the way back. Yeah. I saluted them with my left hand and they kind of went, uh, 
California native. You were born in uh, in Coronado there in uh, Yeah, yeah, California. born on uh, the uh, North Island uh, Naval Air Station, which is the north end of Coronado Island. Yeah. And the people that the real Coronadans who are kinda old, rich Californians, uh Robert Bernans, thieves, mm. you know, took yeah. all the shit from the Mexicans, excuse my language. Uh yeah. they hated, you know, the Navy being uh, all over the Navy, you know, whatever a great uh, Great bases of all, you know, so San Diego's a natural harbor. So, but anyway, yeah, I was born right there on that airfield that uh, the hospital used to be on, on an airfield there. So, right. and like, and I grew up on on that beach, you know, yeah. there. And uh, and you're in the National Guard. That's where you met um, your friend uh, Brian James. He was yeah, yeah, Brian, uh, Brian James, and uh, I met in the back of the truck of the Polo Beach that I have. Right. And uh, this other guy and I were going around, this guy, this guy thinking he is, we were going to, you know, we going to give him a bad time, but then he turned around and he said, hey, you guys want to smoke a joint, man, you know. <laughs> so anyway, the rest is history. We were great friends. And then he ended up, uh, uh, yeah, we joined, the, you know, Vietnam was, hadn't heated up yet, but it's people were scrambling to get in, into the service because, even you guys, I think fifty thousand Australians got constricted to yeah, Vietnam. Yeah. So it, it, it hit you guys right too, you know. So, yeah, but man. I was already in, and I, I, I knew I had to. I just joined right out of high school. Yeah. Yeah, they had the draft here. My dad told me he missed out by like a day or something. I'm sorry, say again. I said my father was just about drafted. He missed out by a day or something. He told me. Yeah, I mean, they took, I think it was 50,000 guys, you know, yeah. that, uh, that, you know, the Aussie government sanctioned it, I guess, through our government, you know, and uh, mm. they didn't want to be there. I think they finally, the big uh, uh, to do, I think, in Australia at the time was the big demonstrations, and yeah, just, just like we had, you know, so it was a real, that war had a profound effect on most guys my age, you know, first. First generation television watchers, baby boomers, whatever you want to call it, you know, and yeah. that was a sound effect that we were having. Yeah. Entire, still the entire country. But, uh, anyway, that's another time. But, uh, yeah. yeah. The middle blind in the back of the truck there. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. We were always, always in trouble. You could <laughs> never not stay out. Well, I would, you know, I knew how to get, you know, show up and salute and shit. You know, you had to, Kind of soldier up, and Brian would always be in trouble late. Tell the lieutenant, you know, to go to hell. And I said, hey, you can't do that. Mm. Ah, screw those guys. I'm like, no, I don't remember. I said, Tony, you straightened out. No, but, uh, mm. like, yourself, you, like yourself, you went on to a long, uh, a long and prosperous career in uh, in movies. He was in some big movies. Brian? Uh, um, Brian was in some, yeah, very, really big movies. I mean, and I was talking to a guy the other day about, I don't know if you know the movie Southern Comfort. Yeah, Southern Comfort, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Walter Hill directed it. I yeah. think uh, some really good actors in it. And I'd known Brian for years, and we studied at Stella Adler together. He studied a little bit in New York. I stayed 
get a whole four-year curriculum. But anyway, he he disappeared in that guy. Right. And like these, these little roles, I mean, I was unrecognizable to me. I said, man, I don't even know you. Yeah. And then the player, he was great. And then and these little roles he would get, he, they just, he would season him up like in Bound for Glory or, or, or in, uh, you know, the, the one with Nolte and Murphy, the, you know, the 48 Hours one. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> he played that uh, copy guy in that shitty Stallone movie with, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What was that thing? It's Hanger and Cash. Yeah, Tango and Cash, and Brian's doing this, this limey accent. Yeah. And I'm going, what are you doing? This is all, I'm going to be a Brit. You don't sound like a Brit. You sound like an old son of even Texas. Let the Brits do the Brits. You, you do a shitty Brit, you know. Anyway. Uh, with his ponytail. It was pretty funny. Huh? Yeah, with his ponytail. That's right, yeah. with his red ponytail. He was, Brian was nuts, you know, he'd, when, when one movie he had blonde hair and he had red hair and he had, you know, he'd, he'd go up and down in his weight. But you know, he was a great guy. He was mm. a, a, a really great loss, you know. Yeah, far too. You know, good. really, really good guy, you know. Yeah. Classic guy. You mentioned St- yeah. Stella Adler there where you did your training. I read that you got advice to go study with her from uh, another great actor, Anthony Zerb. How do you pronounce his name? Zerby? Zerby. Anthony, yeah, yeah I got out in the service and I was, didn't know what to do, so a friend of mine, uh, who's a dead guy now, he was working, so what are you doing? He says, uh, he said, well, I'm going to be an actor. I said, well, what are you talking about? He says, yeah, I'm working at the Shakespeare Festival at the Old Globe Theater in San Diego. It's a very famous Shakespeare Festival for, uh, for all of uh, America. Right. And, and so I said, well, can I get a job? So I got a job working backstage, building sets, running the curtain. Learn, you know, I learned backstage. Yeah. I learned how to run the fly, and I learned basically what, you know, backstage work, building sets and such, and props. And so I met this guy, Zerby, because I didn't particularly like the actors. They were weird, and I didn't know how to talk to them and stuff. And, and, but this guy was cool, you know, and I, I used to talk to him, and I, I would watch him leave the theater, he'd, he'd go up, be on stage, he'd say a couple of lines, he'd play Niago, he'd say a couple of lines, and he'd come out, exit left, and come out behind the building. And some days he was like, I got him, I got him, man, I really got him. I could see him, like, jacked up and wired, you know, and wow, this guy's really into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And other nights, he'd come around, and he would be gone, he would be glazed out, he, he, he wouldn't even look at you, he was just, he was just in another spot, and I said, oh, man, this guy's crazy. My language, but uh, I uh, so I used to talk to him about it. I said, well, How do you? Because I was interested in it. Because I was a first generation television watcher, and my dad, we always watched cowboy movies and that Lee Marvin stuff. And mm-hmm. Charles Bronson, those were my hero guys growing up, and you know, McQueen. And but I didn't know how to become an actor, you know. So I, I, I asked Zerby, I said, how, how do you do this? He said, We got to study. I said, well, what does that mean? You know, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't go to college. I went, you know, I went after high school. I went surfing, and then I went in the army. You know, and that was it. And uh, so now I'm a little older now. And uh, he said, you got to go study someplace. And I, I said, well, I don't know what. The, how do you do that? I didn't know anything, man. You know, mm. I wasn't uh, terribly educated. You know, uh, got a good Catholic education. And that that was good. You know, but. Uh, 
He said, go back to New York and study with this woman. She comes out here in the summer. So she came out to me to Los Angeles, this is like in 67, 68. I studied with her two summers in Los Angeles. And Anthony said, tell her that you know me and that you're serious and you're going to do this. So, you know, I think she took a liking to me because I was pretty earnest about what I wanted to do, but I had no talent. I didn't know, you know, I couldn't tie my shoes, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I, I, I stayed with her two summers. I'm living in LA and this is the 60s and it's like nuts there and I'm hippied out. Mm-hmm. I'm in the military and I have a short, hairy haircut. Everybody thinks I'm a cop because they got a short haircut. You know, so it was weird. So I said, if I'm going to do this, I got to go to New York. I got to study. So I, I talked to Stella and she said, well, you know, you finish your military service and then you come back to New York and uh, come study with me, you know. So she kind of invited me back there. And then I, at the same time around 1968, 69, I was 69, I became interested in stand-up comedy. So I started to kind of pursue that. Right. At the same time, I had this acting thing in the back of my head, but I had not pursued it yet. So, but I was pursuing the stand-up pretty hard at that time. Right, right. And those, those years in Los Angeles, uh, there was Steve Martin, uh, Cheech and Chong had just kind of started. They just got together because Tommy was from Vancouver and Cheech was a draft dodger and ran away to Canada. They met up there. And there, there, was, there wasn't a bunch of comics. You know, Red Fox had a club and, uh, and Richard Pryor. Right. He was kind of like the, he was the god, you know, and still yeah. today is. Funniest guy I ever saw. Ever, yeah, uh, very brilliant, you know. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and so then I was pursuing the stand-up, and then finally got out of the military and and drove to New York, and I stayed in, in New York for about well three and a half years because I had two summers in L.A. and I diligently studied with her. And, you know, learn the craft of becoming an actor. I mean, I could do theater. I learned. I could do Ibsen, Strindberg, Shakespeare. I learned how to do it. You know, right. I, if I got a job, I could go out and do it. You know. Yeah. But I didn't like it. I didn't like the theater. I didn't, I didn't like theater folk, and I'd had enough in New York. I was New Yorked out. You know, because it's just it's too much. You know, it's from California. You know? Right. Brian. Yeah. Brian calling me and he said, "Hey, man." I, you have to come back out to California, man. I just got a gun smoke, dude. I said, really? He says, yeah, man. I just, you know, Jim, Jim Arnaz has killed me. I just got, you know, so I went, oh, wow. So, and then everything I was doing in New York was, I was doing stand-up and was getting a little bit of recognition. And I ended up doing, uh, I did some television show back there. I forget what it was. And, uh, and then I said, you know, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. It was too much for me. I didn't, I didn't want to be a, a theater actor. You know? yeah. I wasn't interested in it. So <laughs> I got my, I did get my union card on Serpa, though. Right. I did get my screen actor's card on, on that as an extra. Right, right. And so once you got that, you were kind of in, you know. You, it was a real coup to have a, a union card back then, you know. Right. Anytime you get a union card, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I remember we, we the other day we were talking about when we spoke briefly. We were talking about uh, Eric Banner. Um, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy's really good. From Chopper. Now, he started... You guys have so many good actors. I mean, you guys, Jesus. He was... He started off similar. He started off as a uh, a, a comedian on, uh, like, a, a sketch show, sort of like Saturday Night Live. Uh, over, oh, really? Over here in Australia. And uh, not not too many people thought he was a terribly good comedian, <laughs> either. Um well, I... I mean, the guy's a really good dramatic actor. You know? Yeah, I mean, he, but uh, when he went to do <clears throat> Chopper, and everyone goes, oh, how's a comedian going to play Chopper Reed? Uh, the director basically stood up for him and said, well, comedians are the best sort of impersonators. They do, they good, they do good impersonations of characters. And he said, if he can impersonate Chopper Reed, then we're halfway there. And of course, he uh, he did a lot of he did a lot more than that. He went down and lived with Chopper, who lived in Tasmania at the time. Oh, really? Uh, was the guy was from the Tasmanian, or he no, was no, just he living was, down there? He was originally from Victoria, um, but after his after well, so was he just a thug, crazy gangster, Aussie gangster guy, or yeah, I mean, nobody he, was. He, he grew up. His his mother was a devout Jehovah's Witness. His father was a retired military man who used to sleep with a loaded gun under his pillow. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> and he, he, you know, he just, as they say, he grew up tough. Um, right, right. And and got involved with the wrong crowd and kind of stayed there. But eventually, um, he took to he saw he saw merit in being more of an enforcer in the underworld than being kind of a a kingpin. And so, oh, he, I see. So a, he, yeah. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he would start to perpetuate sort of. Uh, and and he liked the idea of working with the police, even though the the police denied that. They oh, so he he was a little bit of a, a play both an sides. Type guy. Yeah, he, he liked to play both sides. Or, or undercover type guy. Yeah, so he would um, even though the police, you know, firmly deny that he ever he ever worked with them, uh, <laughs> because he kind of dispensed his own justice in a lot of ways too. Um, but uh, yeah, so he, uh, he he got locked up for trying to get his friend, or one of his friends, who eventually tried to, who eventually tried to assassinate him. Um, but then it was that in in the he tried to kill him in the prison, right? I yeah, mean, and, yeah, they tried to. Because yeah, in the movie, I I I'm going to fuck his best mate's trying to kill him. And, yeah. And I couldn't figure it out, and then I read somewhere that Eric Dana, or that this guy, what's his name, Cocker Coker? Chopper. Yeah. So Chopper, yeah. that he wanted Eric Danner to play him. Yeah. That's what I read. I don't know if that's true or not, you know. But, yeah. but um, and then when I saw it, I just said, yeah, yeah this guy is. And, and of course... He, he got real... I'm sorry, go ahead. You're right. And to get moved out of the... To get moved out of the jail where everyone was out to get him, um, he had someone cut his ears off. Uh, but, of course, oh, he, he told he told the... He told the the doctor in the jail that he'd done it himself, so he got thrown into the psych ward for, uh, you know, allegedly cutting his own ears off. But, uh, yeah. Did he really do it? I mean... No, he got someone to do it for him, but he told the... I thought he had someone to lop his, his ears off. No, yeah, no yeah. Shit. <laughs> he got someone to do it for him, but he t when, when he was found, he told them that he'd done it himself. Wow, that's a heavy cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this guy still alive? No, no, he's he's dead. Unfortunately, he died. Uh, he died about I don't know six or seven years back. Um, well, 
I was mesmerized by the movie and that performance because mm. I'd only seen Eric Banda in like the Hulk movie and the sword fighting thing with, uh, you know, uh, Brad Pitt and right. you know, playing these kind of handsome, you know, lead guys. And I'm going, this guy's, you know, because, uh, and I said, this guy's a good actor, you know, and mm. then I saw him in that and I went, man, this guy is unreal. Yeah. Really something to see, you know, like, it's like watching Tom Hardy or somebody, you know. Yeah, no, but, he uh, really, you know. he really nailed the, you know, if you, if you, <laughs> as I say, if you never got to meet uh, Mark Chopper Reed, then um, that he was the closest thing you'll get to the real guy. He was. Uh, did Did you ever meet the guy? Uh, my friend did actually. He he used to he toured around. He wrote he wrote books in prison. Uh, he, uh-huh. he wrote a bestseller in prison, and he would tour around afterwards, and do little Q and As with audiences, right? But the problem was, at the same time, there was a comedian that did, like, a show where he was basically doing, like, a rip-off of, of Chopper. Oh, I see. Uh, and, anyway, so, the story goes, uh, this show was coming to this pub that was across the road from where I worked at the time. And I thought, and everyone else thought, that it was just this comedian. It wasn't the real Chopper going to show up. Everyone thought it was just this guy who used to do, like, uh, a send-up of him. Right. So anyway, my mate said, oh, I'm going to go over anyway. So he was over there drinking, and he said, next minute, um, the guy comes out, and it's not the comedian. He says, holy shit, it's the real real guy. And he's like, holy crap. Oh, wow. And he said, uh, I was out of town. He tried to get me on the phone. He says, you know, oh, crap, it's not the comedian. It's the real, you know, because I'd read some of his books, and I was like, oh, damn, I wish I had of... Checked it out because I, w- I would have got him to like sign a book or something. But um, wow! So, I mean, so the guy, I mean, he had, he had some kind of a life after being a bad guy. He sort of straightened out. And, yeah, yeah. Like he you was, know. Uh, you know, he um, like I said, he wrote some books in prison. When he got out, he wrote a few more. He even wrote a children's book. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> wow, that's heavy. That's very yeah. heavy. <laughs> which was well, I, you know, I find uh, you guys, you know, I'm always. I always kept my eye on the Aussie movies, you know, and, and I remember seeing, when I worked with Gibson, and I said, you know, that movie Tim you did with, I, uh, with uh, that great American actor, Piper Laurie. Right. I said, where did, where did that guy come from? The, I mean, you were like that. You were like this touched kid, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then I, and I, we used to talk about how I was trained and he trained at what would be uh, the Royal Academy of Australian, like Rada, what what a Rada would be to what the Australians. And right. he said he went to school with Jeffrey Wright and Judy Davis. Yeah, that's where he went to school. Gibson did. Yeah, yeah. And I said, really, you went to school? And I was like, those guys are really good actors, you know. Yeah. And and so I keep my eyes peeled for these weird Aussie movies that always had like a a, a real strange. There were always great stories. There was one that Judy Davis did. She was like a an old surf chick that went back to see her sister in a right. in a little little camp, like a little uh, trailer park thing, and she was like a rock and roll singer. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then Kate Blanchett did, you know, what I mean, Jesus, what's great about what you guys do is that you'll go do one of these big movies. Yeah. Come over here and, and take the Yanks job because you can do us better than we can. <laughs> you know the the the. the, the the Australians are the Brits walk in the casting door and they open their mouth and the 
stupid casting people are here in talk. They go, oh my God, they've got, he's got this great, you know, and you guys do, do Americans better than we do, you know. <laughs> and I remember seeing Kate Blanchett in that great Woody Allen movie, and then I saw her in this real strange, little weird Aussie movie where she's like this, she's like a, a, a like a petty thief or something, and right. it's just a really, you know, she's such a good actress, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going on and on That's and on right, about it, but I, I've always find well, what 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 you guys do is you know you always put a little bit of a spin on it that that's yeah. great shit you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you guys started the apocalyptic stuff you know. Oh, the Mad Max, you, yeah, yeah, with uh, yeah, Melly. Uh, well, the good and and you know I remember I did the uh, Air America with the movie. Well, yeah, Air America. Oh. Uh, I just saw Gibson not too long ago. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we ran under him. He was at a doctor's office and we had a, uh, we had a good chat about... Uh, he's coming back. He's, <laughs> huh? He's coming back. He's starting to do a bit more now. Yeah, you know, I told him, I said, Jesus, man, you were the Christ. They they put you at the pastor for 10 fucking years, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he said, oh, man, it was rough, you know, but the guy is, I mean, he's so talented and, and, and he's really a good guy and... And those who understand him and know him, you know, they, they know what a really decent guy this guy really is. Plus, you know, the guy really knows where to put a camera. He knows how to direct. And he really, he's really good as actors, you yeah. know. I heard the rumor really he's going to do another lethal weapon. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the rumor. Oh, that, well, that would be a trip. That that's would be kind of kind of cool to see, huh? Because him so and... The, the, the daughter and... Uh, and Danny Glover. I, and, I think they just yeah. did a... Uh, uh, a tribute to Dick Donner, who's uh, give me one of my first jobs, by the way, Dick Donner. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great, an uh, lethal weapon, an old guy. Yeah. He was, really would be too old for this shit. That, <laughs> that line. Yeah. <laughs> you old prick, you, you know, you. Sorry, Max, I didn't watch the language. Sorry there, uh, Australia. You're uh, right. Anyway. But, uh, no, it'd be good to see Gibbo strap back the, strap the gun back on again. Well, you know, I, I mean, he did a movie with Ray, uh, uh, Ray Winston, if you know who he is. Right, yeah. Ray Winston is a British actor who, uh, did you ever see Neil by One? You ever see that movie? Neil by One, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, you know, the sexy beast, you know, yeah. Ray Winston, you know, like, he's good in that. You know who that actor is, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, he and Gibson did this cop movie together in Boston, and I thought, you know, those two guys together were great, you know? Yeah. You team him up with other other folks who are good actors. You know, he always really gives a strong performance in comedy and drama. You know, yeah. and a lot of guys can't do do the comedy. You know, most no. guys can do you know, one one or the other. You know. Yeah. Anyway, but so. um, anyway, let's let's get back to you. Enough about yeah, yeah. Say, enough about Mel Gibson guy. No. <laughs> enough about Mel Gibson. Let's talk about you. <laughs> um, yeah. Sort of through the bulk. I mean, you you've done so much stuff. We can't possibly cover it all. But um, some of some of my favorite films of yours um, you made with uh, Charlie Band in the Empire sort of full moon years. Right. Yeah. Um, that whole with all the trances and zone that... troopers and. Uh, one of my favorite movies is actually Metal Storm, where you play this guy, Rose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, well, that was a fun guy to play, that character, yeah. Rhodes, and, yeah. uh, uh, God, I forget, the, what's it, Jeffrey Byron, the Jeffrey kid that Byron, worked with, yeah. kind of like the Mad Max guy with the, you know, the that jacket, 
you know. Yeah. He was a really cool kid and a nice kid. And, yeah. and But uh, that was my first movie with Charlie, and that was Empire. Yeah. It wasn't Full Moon yet. And the director of photography, why those movies were so good is that Charlie always used a guy named Mac Alberg, who was a, who was Sven Nyquist's, no, he was Ingmar Bergman's first cameraman. Right. And then Sven Nyquist took over, and Mac left and went and shot commercials in Italy. Right. And so Charlie somehow got him, because Charlie's father, Albert Dan, had done quite a few movies in Europe and was a bit of a famous guy over in, in Europe and, and a great art collector and stuff. And, and knew Adam and did spaghetti westerns and stuff. Because Charlie basically grew up on, on movie sets in Italy, you know. Right. So Charlie knew how to get a movie done, you know. Cheaply, he knew how to get one done. Yeah. But uh, Metal Storm, that is actually a 3D movie. Yeah. And uh, it, 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 the, the look of it, that's why Charlie's movies were, they always had, they always had a good look because they had such a terrific director of photography. Yeah. And Charlie was lucky enough to always have good, young, hard crew guys, guys that wanted to work in the movies, who wanted to be in the movies and work in them, Griff, Electric, and because they were hungry and they wanted to learn the business and everybody was doing it on the fly. So everybody kind of gave a shit to get this thing and make it right and do it, do it right, you know, and, and have fun doing it because Charlie was always a fun guy to work with, you know, because right. he lived and weird and crazy and, you know, he speaks perfect Italian. He's a Jewish kid that grew up in Italy. Right. His name is, you know, Charles Bendini, I think is his real name. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, those movies were fun to do, and that, that character was fun. So yeah. out of that uh, came, came transfers, eventually came out of yeah. that. You know. Oh, out of me playing a character. Yeah, Jack yeah, Depp, huh? Yeah, Jack Depp was, that was a creation of, well, Charlie had an idea for a space travel cop guy, right? Yeah. So Paul DeMay and Danny Bilson, the two writers who wrote the original transfers, we all liked the Raymond Chandler, Marlowe Noir type Rachel Hammond character. You know, we liked that that guy, the trench coat guy. You know, the guy that I played, you know. Yeah, yeah. So and Charlie didn't really I don't think Charlie ever really understood what that was about. He just wanted a movie. Yeah. Space battle. Right, you know, right. That's all he really So, and it all kind of came together because I had worked with Helen in a TV series. She, she was a kid. She was only like 16. Yeah. And I, and he's only, I already had the role of Jack Depp, the guy, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I, we kept looking for actresses and I was getting, you know, all these actresses come in and we read, read, read with them and I told her, I said, you know, there's this girl I work with. You know, I don't know how old she is now, but she's a kid, but she's really funny, and she can act. Yeah. And I said, you should find her, get her in here and, and audition. And ironically, you know, she was with my agent at the time. Right. So she came in, and I said, that's the chick, that's her. That's, I mean, that's, and Danny and Paul agreed, because she was a, sort of a, she grew up in Los Angeles, and she, she's the real, the quintessential, Angelino Valley girl, you know, she had that whole deal going on, you know, that she, that she played, you know, she, she's a real honest actress, you know, there's nothing complicated about her, you know, yeah. although she works, works, works her ass off, she always 
was asked, so what are you doing? She'd be sitting on the sideline writing stuff in her script. You know, I just I'd say the words and hit the mark and, you know, give me a check, man. I, you know, get me get out of here, you know. But, uh, she's a very bright, very bright girl and fun to work with because cause she, she really, she'd been a child actress, you know. Right, right, yeah. And then, uh, when once again, Mac Alberg was responsible for that, that kind of noirish look to it, you know. And, right shooting it in Chinatown and Chinatown had not just come out but it you know it been hot on everybody's mind you know the movie and right. and LA always had that kind of the war that's what we wanted to do we, we Charlie wanted one thing and Danny and Paul and I wanted another thing and, and I we all got what we what we deserved you know because okay. <laughs> I think for what that movie is and what it cost I think it's a a pretty good little movie and it still holds up you know it's just yeah. weird well and they just kept on coming you end up doing like four more after that um, yeah oh yeah well yeah, the, uh, four, yeah I yeah. personally liked the medieval ones I thought they were hilarious you did you like those ones yeah. the Robin Hood ones <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh Jesus God that, you know I did, by that time I was going what the fuck what am I doing <laughs> you know I'm getting a pig it's an alimony movie I got a big alimony but you know <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the great thing about that movie, or those movies, was David Nutter, if you know who he is. Yeah, yeah. David Nutter is a brilliant director, really knew how to shoot fast, and really knew how to d deal with actors. Right. Particularly actors that were not so good, or maybe were too egoed up, and we, we got along great, and, and, and he had another great uh, cinematographer, a guy named Aldolfo Bartoli. Yeah. And I, I was also, he, he started like this, you know, he was, uh, the, he said, uh, it's a team, team, uh, you, you don't stand in my life, you, you fuck it up, you know, don't, <laughs> don't do that, you know, and he gets real nervous, and I say, Aldolfo, I'm like, what do you want me to do, he's a team, you don't, 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 don't move so quick, okay, yeah, man, we have to, so I used to just mess with him, and, and uh, so we had a great uh, cinematographer, an Italian crew, you know, yeah. and we shot that in, uh, Romania, yeah. and, uh, I thought everybody in it did well, you know. Yeah. Stacy was good for for an actress not having much. Uh, no, uh, I just thought it was good. They're they're all talking so lofty, and then you come along and you, you <laughs> and you. It was so stupid. You see these guys in tights and swords, yeah. and then and then then, then 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 this asshole shows up with a space gun and a trench coat, you know, <laughs> you know, and a greasy haircut, going, "Hey, well, who are you people?" You know. Like, you know Finally, they had the, the Italian guys finally told him, he said, listen, you can't go 
jogging out there in front of these, you know, uh, drunken Romanian soldiers, they're going to rape you. They're going to, you know, you guys got to knock it off and stay within the boundary of this this place we're staying at. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it was weird because, you know, the the mafia was a little involved and it was like, you know, a little bit of, you could see, you know, some CIA guys just it was fresh. Right, right. It was a fresh Eastern Bloc country yeah. full of, you know, uh, I mean, uh, Bucharest was like, you know, like 1939 before World War II. That was weird and gunfire. And, well, we heard gunfire a couple times. And, but there were, you know, there, there was, uh, Ceausescu's ministry was full of bullet holes. And, you know, we just had a bunch of crazy stuff happen on the movie. Yeah. Remember a guy tried to, I was buying some stuff one day at a, at a, at a market and a guy tried to pickpocket me. Right. And I turned and I, I, I flipped around and grabbed him real quick and kind of jacked him up on top of a, a bunch of olives, you know. Right. And this, you know, and all these soccer players, you know, these big Romanian soccer players were staring at me like those Russian movies, they all wear those, those track suits, you know. And, I'm going, oh, shit, now I'm going to buy it in Romania. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird, you know. Yeah, but, uh, they look like a lot of fun. But it was though. fun, you know. Yeah. We, 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 we try to have, yeah. you know, you try to have fun with the stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah, they look like yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. I, 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 the the version of, of Trances 2 I have has a great, like, uh, what do they call it, a gag reel, where where you're all, like, stuffing around at the, at the oh, end. Oh, well, well, you know, that was... Really bright of Charlie to do. He was one of the first guys to do that stuff. Yeah. You know, the video zone kind of. Yeah, so the, the gag reels. You know, mm-hmm. they were uh, they were fun to do because you know. They got some great uh, great lines. My favorite line from all those movies is where you shoot two trances and you turn to those old ladies. You don't worry, ma'am. They're biodegradable. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's from the number one one, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, hey, yeah. what was what was I always want to ask you? What was Richard Lynch like? He was in the he was the bad guy in the second one. Richard was exactly who you would think he would be like. He yeah. was odd and weird and a good actor and and I had uh, I had no knew him a little bit in Manhattan in New York. I I had ran onto him a couple of times in some bars back there. You know, yeah. tough Irish kind of hard drinking guy, you know, and, and, uh, but Richard was a really good actor, you know, and, yeah. uh, I heard he was really intense. And, oh, fuck. He was really intense, but yeah. off camera, he yeah. was like, like Lance Hendrickson, you know, really a funny guy. Right. You know, a lot of those guys that play bad guys are hilarious. You know, I mean, mm. Lance Hendrickson is one of the funniest guys you'll ever want to meet or talk to. Right. In fact, you should, you should talk to Lance. You should try to, Punch him down and talk to him if you yeah. have not. Yeah, I, I haven't. You know, I would like to. I don't. Um, <coughs> I don't know anyone who knows. He, it seems to be the best way of getting through. To <laughs> uh, well, I know him. I'm call him, you know, and, and tell him, hey, you know, talk to this kid in Australia, you know. Oh, if if you. I assume that. you're a kid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, 38-year-old kid, you know, all right. Oh, yeah, I was your age, I, uh, I was doing silent TV, man. No, uh, <laughs> hey, look at me, hey, I'm, uh, I'm happy if you know him, if you can pass on a good word for me, I'd, I'd appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to hunt him down, the guy won't, he never stops working. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he just, the guy works every week somewhere around the world, Lance Henderson. He's making a movie. I know. He's, In fact, if you go online, there's a thing we did, 
kind of a documentary called Bring Me the Head of Lance Hendrickson. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it, uh, it's me. We, we, there was no dialogue. We, we, it's not scripted. Right. It's Lance and I driving around in his truck and me going, hey, man, you know, I, I kind of started when you did and you work all the time and I can't get a fucking job anymore. What's the deal? <laughs> so we, we, we kind of winged this whole thing and it's, it's not out yet. It hasn't been finished or edited. Right, right. There's no money, but it's in. It's 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 on Michael. If you look up Michael Worth, okay, uh, and punch it in, it, it, you'll see the stuff that's on. It's yeah. pretty funny because yeah. I mean, and Lance, the, the guy, he's hilarious. Yeah, he's really a funny guy. That'd be fantastic. Well, yeah. mate, well, Tim, if like, if you can, if you can do a, a mate a favor, then I'd be over the moon. As they say. Can you get I said, I said, if you can do a mate a favour, then uh, pa- pass on, pass on my my uh, my information, and I'll uh, I'll be most appreciative. Yeah, yeah. What I'll do is I'll get it from Courtney's got your stuff, and if yeah. I can track Lance down, I'll do that. And yeah, that'd be cool. Hopefully, have a conversation. That'd be really sweet of you. <clears throat> but um, hey, listen, another thing I wanted to ask you, and and it, 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 I only heard it touched on briefly, but I talked to Randall Freaks, who wrote Hell Comes to Frogtown. And um, I understand that you were there. Who was that again? Say that again. Randall Frakes, who wrote Hell Comes to Frogtown. Hell Comes to Frogtown, isn't that with, yeah. like Rory Calhoun or somebody? Was yeah, um, it was eventually played by Roddy Piper. But um, I heard that... Oh, God, Rick, and Roddy Piper, what a great guy he yeah. was. But Randall said initially they wanted they they were pursuing you for the role of, of Sam Hell in, in Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh, did you say you talked to Ted Cobb? No, 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 no. Randall Frakes. He wrote. Um, oh, Randall Frakes. Yeah. Randall Frakes. Okay, forgive yeah. me. I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, I didn't. That was news to me. I, I you know, oh. did, did, who did it? Did Rowdy do it? Yeah, yeah. He eventually did it. But uh, when I was talking, he said they they originally wanted you for the role, and and he said that you had a. Movie oh, who, who directed that? I, 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 uh, uh, Donald Jackson. Donald G. Jackson. Well, I don't you know. I never. Nobody ever told me about that one. Okay. I mean, I, yeah. You know, I, well, mean, I he, he just said. He would never turn a job down because I always had bills to pay. But uh, yeah, but they, I don't think I ever turned a job down. Yeah, but, but they, I, I don't. I don't know that one. Yeah, he said. He said that they. You're the guy that they wanted, and um. But apparently, when the budget uh, increased, they said, "Oh, we." <laughs> they said the you know, the studio, of course, wanted you know. They wanted a a big a big star, and he said, "No, no, Tim is great. We want we want Tim." And uh, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't it didn't pan out that way. But uh, I was very surprised. Well, I always had like yeah, you know, I was never really a star guy. I was just, just kind of a working working actor, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just a guy that ran around the background and got shot a lot, you know. <laughs> and, uh, second Indian, basically, you know, second guy from the left. You know? But, uh, yeah, yeah, but he, uh, uh, I was, I was very interested to hear that you were the guy that they wanted, um, originally for that movie, and, uh, I thought, well, yeah, he would have been great in that movie. But, but yeah, well, I would have done that. Yeah. Why not do the title like that? Who, who wouldn't do that, you yeah, know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, um, comes the frog town. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I, I love the fact that when I was, when I was, you know, researching um, the the fact that you you said you got to work with a lot of your heroes like Clint Eastwood in in Honky Tonk Man and uh, 
Right, right. Uh, to, to find out about, you know, the guy. You know, the man. You know, to keep the lineage of the piece going. Right. I thought that was a brilliant movie. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Well, the Miller, Jesus, you guys really, you guys started it all, you know, I think. Like I was talking, I was down and doing Xena, Princess, all right. Warrior Princess, and, yeah. and down there in, in New Zealand, you know, and right. one of the kids on the show, he's going, oh, shit, man, you're in the Cherry 2000. Yeah. And, you know, the Cherry 2000 yeah, was a movie yeah. that nobody saw. Right, right. But I guess down in Australia and New Zealand, it was like, people dug it, you know, it was like yeah. a big deal, you know. And uh, I remember Melanie Griffith and I going, Oh, this thing's a piece of shit, man. This is never going to make any money, you know? <laughs> and I said, well, who knows, you know? And, and I guess it was a big hit, you know? So, yeah. Well, and Brian James is in that, and yeah. Larry Fishburne is in that. Yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of those movies, um, I mean, we they never came out theatrically over here. They came out on video. So, um, you know, video was like a huge... Uh, thing you know back in the day and and we we saw a well whole yeah yeah well the video, I mean that was it the video yeah. story right yeah. That, yeah you guys I mean that's how you saw stuff yeah. right because most of those most of those movies like Cherry Two Thousand and uh, you know the subsequent uh, episodes of like the the Trances movies they're all sort of straight to video down here so um, right right well I think they, you know I was in Thailand doing a movie one time and I just finished doing Trances. Well, I was on Air America, and I was down in Phuket. Right. And uh, I, I had a couple of days off, and I flew down there, and I was going to go surfing. And I, cause I knew there were waves down there, but there weren't any waves. That, that, that week, there weren't any. Right. And I remember walking into a video store, and, you know, over there, they have knockoff. They have, everything's a knockoff, and Rolexes and all that stuff, you know. Right. It's already knocked off, and... I turned the corner and there, there was a video of transfers to it that had already come out. You know, I'm going, oh shit, look at that. You know? <laughs> so that was that. Yeah. You, know, they, you know how they, you know, they dupe everything, you know, yeah, so yeah. quickly. You know, I thought yeah. that was kind of weird. That I was in some weird Thai grocery store and all of a sudden I'm going, fuck, that's me. You know? <laughs> it's kind of a trip, you know. Uh, but, uh, another one uh, of my favorite uh, pitches you were in was uh, Uncommon Valor, which had a Fantastic! Uh, oh yeah, that 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 was, that that had a big effect on me. That movie. Yeah, that uh, that, um, that movie. That, that movie, movie I still think doesn't get enough love. And um, no, I don't think it does. And ironically, you know, I never believed that there were prisoners of war over there. I I I just didn't believe it. You know. Yeah. Uh, just because it was just such a tough country to you know that part of the world is tough enough, why would they keep a bunch of prisoners, you know? But, yeah. Well, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but I do know that there's a lot of heart in that movie, and yeah. that uh, it's a great musical score, and, and there's some good acting in it, and it's just, and you, you're not going to beat Gene Hackman, I mean, yeah. that's why I did it. And, and I said to my, and I had to call this girl, a really good friend of mine, I mean, just went to dinner the other night, she always gave me shit about it, you know, and I said, why, why did you? Yeah, it would have made a lot of money. They did like 10 of those things, but it, it didn't make any difference. You know, I got to work with Gene, and, and it was like my Magnificent Seven, you know, that had, you know, Fred Ward and, 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 and Patrick Swayze and, and those guys in it, and then um, Randall Cobb, and, you know, we shot it in, in Hawaii, and, and I had lived in Hawaii when I was a kid, so. Yeah. 
you know, my, my, my family came over, my son was there, and he was a little guy then, and, and there were great friends of mine that I grew up with that had moved to Hawaii. Right, right. That I got to go surf with again, and, and so it was just, it was a great experience. Plus, plus I think the story really has a lot of heart, and uh, the guy that wrote that story, you know who Cole Hauser is? He's right. a paparazzi guy. Did you see that movie, Paparazzi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that actor, or his father, Okay. Uh, uh, wrote that movie. Anyway. Oh, okay. So I thought it was a well shot. All right. So that was his dad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. No, Cole's your father. Right. Um, uh, it just you know we had a Ralph. Ralph. I forget. Ralph was a Jack Green was the camera guy. We had really good camera guys and, and, and the same special effects guys that Coppola had on Apocalypse. The Lombardi Brothers were these. Special effects, crazy guys, you know. Right, right. I remember one guy. There's a guy named the director was a bit of a, a bit of a pain in the ass, you know. But a, but a good director, a Canadian guy. I think I told you earlier. He was responsible for, for kind of bringing Australian movie making yeah. back because he brought, he did walkabout. Yeah. Walkabout. You uh, know? Waking. Uh, and, uh, no, Waking fright was his. Um, what was, was it? Big movie. Waking fright was was he, Ted costume. Ted costume. He brought that that great uh, Aboriginal actor Billy something. What's that actor you guys have over there? Oh, David Gulper. Uh, yeah, that guy. He's a really really good actor. You know. Yeah, yeah. He was the one the thing with Jenny Agutter and the little kid and anyway, well, walkabout I think is the name of it, isn't it? Yeah, no. Ted Ted Kotcheff, He he directed a movie called uh, an Australian movie called Waking Fright. Which was about this. Uh, oh, it was about this British teacher that goes off into the. Uh, you know, he's heading back. He's a small. And he's like a small, uh, a small town. He teaches in a small town. He gets stuck in this this real uh, outback place, and you know, he gets drunk and he loses all his money and goes mad and. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the thing. Well, was, I remember him telling me that. Yeah, but the thing was, he. Um, well, he was. Everyone didn't know that you know it was a you know it was it's it's regarded as a quintessential Australian movie directed by a a uh, is he Canadian Ted I think he's Canadian is he Yeah he's a Canadian he's a Canadian yeah. and he's an odd guy too he's a he's a, a, a bit of a a, a a fop you know but 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 a good guy yeah. I mean, first blood's a great movie and that's yeah, a really totally. good movie yeah and uh, so he directed that and, and Hackman kind of. Gave him a little bit of shit, and, right. which I thought was funny. But, but but Hackman was just so to watch him work and to work in a scene with him was just—I mean, it was priceless. It was just—it was a great fun to do. You know, you got machine guns, and I got the girl, and then choppers, and spent yeah. I think two months and two months in Hawaii, and then it was my first introduction to Thailand. That was in '83, so yeah. for a month in Bangkok. And, I heard Gene was, was great, a, you know, and I am. I heard Gene was a funny guy. Yeah. Off camera, was he? Oh man, the guy's really funny, shit. Yeah. Really funny. Yeah, he was very, you know, he get real hot, goddamn, he was a hot tempered guy, you know. Right, right. And uh, I remember Swayze, who was always, Patrick was a good kid, but, but he was, you know, troubled. And, um, anyway, I don't want to talk about the dad, but yeah, yeah. he had some issues, but, uh, but Hackman couldn't take the movie star shit, you know. All oh, right.
negative about this script and we're going to say these words and we're going to do it and shoot it. And that's the way it's going to be. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Then you had Tex Cobb. Yeah. He, uh, the guy that played uh, a sailor. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah. I don't know if you know who this guy, I don't know if you know who he really was or is. No, no. But he uh, was, he was, I don't know who Larry Holmes is. Are you a fight fan at all? Oh, a little bit, yeah. I'm not familiar though. Larry Holmes was, was a undefeated champion black guy after Ali. Right. And Tex Cobb went the entire 15 rounds and never went down. Wow. He was so tough. Right. The guy was a big, tough Texas ex-rodeo guy. I mean, an incredible, and he was, a, he was a, 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 a Bible student. Right. He was a rabbinical, he, he was a, a and, and I, he finally, uh, he got out of the business and he went back to Temple University and got his degree, and then I think he hit the lottery for like ten million dollars or something. Wow, crazy thing. Yeah, and then I mean, just one of the great guys, and and then you couldn't control him, you know. We we're shooting in Hawaii, and Hawaiians, they're, they're pretty macho guys, you know. They're kind of like Maoris, you know. Right. They're like uh, they're pretty macho, and they like to fight, but you couldn't. They couldn't get to this guy because he's Texas, first of all. Right. So he's already crazy, <laughs> and then plus he's a tough. Tough son of a bitch. Right. He's a really a tough guy. And he knew how to fight. And how he got across country was that after he got out of college, he was a karate guy. He he would go into different, this is really crazy. He would go into, you know, he'd hitchhike, go into, to, uh, you know what a dojo is, a karate school. Yeah. He'd go into a, the, the local karate school. He would tell the, the sensei, the guy, the main guy, he said, look, if I can beat you, can I spend the night here? Right. And the guy, you know, yeah, sure, you know. Well, you know, he beat everybody because he was such a tough guy, you know. Yeah. He could, for a, for a man that big, he, he was a really good uh, karate guy and a, an incredible uh, boxer. He really, he really needs a boxing game, but uh, right. But a great guy. I, I, I really like that. But that was a great, fun experience. And like I said, it was like a magnificent seven for me, you know, because yeah. so, working with those guys and, okay. and, and the music and like, and, and, you know, it's got heart, and the veterans like it. Every veteran loves that movie, you know. Yeah. I, I, I still think, I, like I said to you before, I still think it's a wonderful film that doesn't get enough uh, appreciation. I think it was, you know, I know that there was a lot of other films of its kind at the time. You mean Uncommon Valley? Yeah, mean. yeah. But um, I think... Well, I think it came out, you know, Chuck Norris's movies kind of came on the heels of that, and then yeah. Deer Hunter was floating around not too far from then. And, and then, you know, Vietnam was still... It was still heated and unpopular, and and you know, unfortunately, it makes me sad because I grew up in the military. My dad was a career military guy, and you know, I love my country, even though we're fucked up, you know. But the deal is, is that you know, a lot of people, you know, they don't like military movies, you know, or, right, right, or they do. The ones that do dig them, you know, guys like us who go, hey, yeah, shit, let's go see that, man, let's, yeah. you know, let's go watch that guy get his head exploding, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but uh, it uh, but yeah, it did. I don't. I, I I think it got some good reviews, but it you know I think it made a pretty good, decent amount of money in the box office. It didn't yeah. cost a lot of money to make, and I would love to watch Gene work because if he didn't like being, if he didn't like where the scene was going, he would just walk out of frame, just just leave the camera. Okay, wow. I've never seen anybody do that. No. I, I just thought that was so cool. 
that we'd be doing a scene, and each time he did something, he'd do it different, just a little bit different than he did before. Right. And I really learned from the guy. I just went, oh my God, look at this guy. He's brilliant, you know? Yeah. And, and then, like, off camera, the guy was really funny. Yeah. You know? He's a, he, 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 did, he was a comedy guy in New York. He did improv, and he did, you know, he did the improv stuff in, in, in New York, and, and also studied, and, you know, he was just and a great guy. I remember he came to my 40th birthday party as a Oh, wow. Surprise party, so. Wow. I thought that was really cool. He yeah. sat next to my dad. Oh, that's great. And my old man is a real, yeah, my old man was an old time, kind of a, a real a real Navy guy, you know. And right, Jackman, right. Uh, yeah. My old man would always call everybody by their last name, like in the military, you know. And he, right. he sat next to Gene Hackman, he goes, good God, Hackman, you know, you're, you're a pretty good looking guy for her. For her. Gene Hackman never came to one of my birthday parties. So. <laughs> I, I invited him. Another like, great guy, I'll tell you. You know, is, yeah. and I didn't find this out until later was when I did that silly ass movie Rhinestone with Dolly and uh, Stallone. Fly, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and Frank, his brothers, I know him pretty well, and right. and I didn't know this that the Stallone saw me in a movie and said, "I want that guy." Right. And I didn't find that out until years later. Wow. And then I started thinking, I go, Jesus Christ, man, I wish I had known that. Because he was really cool to me on that movie. Right, right. You know, he was, you know, yeah, he was kind of a weird, stupid movie, but yeah. I got to work with Richard Farnsworth, and, and Dolly Parton is, like, unbelievably the greatest chick in the world, you know I mean? Right. She's so, exactly who, you see who she is, that's who she is, you know, uh, the real deal, you know, and yeah. funny and pretty and hot and all that. Yeah. And when you're talking to her, She's so little, and her, her her breasts are so giant. <laughs> you you look you when you're talking to her, you're staring at her at her breasts. Right. And she's she's yeah, and and she she goes, Pam, Pam, <laughs> I'm up here, I'm up here, honey. Here I am up here. And and you and you and you automatically just start looking at her at her tits. You can't help it. You just go, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, Dolly. Yeah. I mean, it's an automatic deal. It's just and, she, and she's she plays it too, you know, so, yeah, so she's yeah. cool about it, you know. But really, that's why, when you think about it, what Stallone, how many careers did he get guys, you know? Yeah. Mr. T, uh, you know, uh, Apollo Creed, and, yeah. you know, he gave a bunch of different guys careers, you know. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. really good to guys, you know. He, yeah. he got, got Gibson back and then brought him back out of the, the you know, well, uh, and, uh, out of the cold yeah. in that, that movie, you know, so. I'm surprised. Cool, you know, I'm surprised you. I, I always thought you should have been in one of those Expendables movies. You're in all the action. Well, movies. you know that would have been cool, but you know I think that you know uh, I I've never understood what my career was about. I just was sort of do a job of work. If I got a job, I'd do it. And like yeah. just do another job and get another one. I never figured out how, you know how you're supposed to. If there's a game to play or or I, I just went from job to job. You know, just. Yeah.
work, and I, I got to travel a bit. But uh, I thought it, I thought it was great how you used to kind of for a while there you kind of popped up in little parts like uh, in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. You, you well, you know that I I was thinking about that yesterday driving down here because I didn't know what we were going to talk about. I did I did his Johnny's first last Twenty One Jump Street. Really, I was a played a Nazi principal like a like a Nazi kind of principal, right, and it was right. his last show. Right. And he was a class guy, and everybody, all of those kids on that show were, were I mean, they were great kids. And they were great kids. And Stephen Cannell, who you probably know who he is, yeah. he uh, created, uh, uh, you know, the Watford Files, 21 Jump Street. And, yeah, totally. And, uh, Magnum and all these different things. But anyway, so he always had, anyway, so I did that show, and then fast forward, I go in and I audition for Tony Gilliam, and, uh, I really wanted to play that role. Right. And typically, if I really want to do something, I'll really work hard on it. Right. If I really want to do it. Yeah. So I, I found a way to play this guy. I don't know. I just went back to the to Stella and to, to how I was trained. and right. So I found this guy to play, that weird my, my biker guy, you know. Right, right, yeah. So I, I, I end up doing the role, and Mark Harmon and I are in the scene together. And he's great. He's a great guy. And I knew him years ago. And, and Lorraine Newman was in that. Now we're on the set and we're outside of Vegas shooting this thing. And I see Jeff walking. And he's in character. He's, uh, you know, he's not uh, Hunter Thompson. You know, he's uh, smoking cigarettes. And he's, uh, he's walking around and he's talking to himself. And he's listening to music. But he, he spies me. He spots me. Right. And he goes, hey, hey, you're, you're the guy from Jump Street. He completely went out of character. Came over, gave me a big fucking hand, handshake. I mean, couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. And there was a couple of really cool, uh, like, vintage Triumph motorcycles there that oh. were his, you know? Yeah. And uh, they were out in the middle of the desert. And these things were classic Triumph, beautiful, beautiful pieces of machinery. Right. I said, are those your bikes? He says, yeah, you want to ride one? <laughs> and I said, oh, no, man, that's cool. I don't I don't want to dump your bike, you know? And uh, so I, I thought it was so cool that he jumped out of character, was nice, and then, and then we went and did the scene, you know. And right. then, then I got cut, I got cut out of that movie, you know. In, in the movie you see in the theaters, I'm cut out of it. Yeah. But Terry Gilliam was such a class guy, yeah. really a class guy. He wrote me a note and sent me the sent me the the, the DVD part that they cut out right. with a little note that says, "Here, Tim, here's the stuff that didn't make it in the movie. Yeah. Thanks again. I hope we get to work again." And uh, and I almost there was a movie we were gonna do. Uh, I, it never worked out, but I almost got to work with that guy again, and he was unbelievable. So that was a really fun experience for me to, yeah. to do that movie and to play that guy. You know, that was great. Really, really, really fun. To do. Yeah, but I um, right here, two days, right? Now. Yeah, sorry. Two days, you said? You were two days out there. Yeah, no, we, 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 we only shot, shot for a couple of days, but it was just, yeah. it was such a cool experience, the whole thing, you know. Yeah. The fact that Death wasn't this weird actor guy, he was cool, and yeah. came out of his character and said, hey man, you want to have my bike? And I didn't want to take his, you know, these beautiful bikes out in the desert, you know, dump one, you know, because I used to ride dirt bikes pretty, pretty regularly, but I didn't want to dump this guy's bike, you know. Right, right. Back it up, you know. Anyway. <laughs> No, but uh, it, I thought it was great. I love, um, I, I remember, I, I love Albert Pune's movies as well. You've been in a few of those. But I, I love Albert his, Pune. Yeah, and I thought it was great how... Yeah, uh, yeah, Albert was uh, yeah. really a prolific guy, really an yeah. uh, interesting guy, a very, uh, like I told you, my wife 
worked for him for about 10 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what, which one did you like? One of, one of my one of my favorite ones, and and you only your credit in it is this your credit in it farmer sitting by a camp, farmer sitting at campfire, uh, <laughs> that was the credit that was the official credit for that particular role. It was in the movie. Night. Oh, man sitting at campfire. Yeah, farmer sitting at campfire. Uh, <laughs> is it nights? Night. The movie's nights, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, well, my wife Carrie wanted me to do it. She said. Albert wants you to be in this movie. He just wants to, would you do it? And I said, well, I went, okay, you know. <laughs> we drove out and, I don't know, drove out whatever the fuck it was. We stopped the desert somewhere. But yeah, man sitting at campfire. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's like the movie, uh, you know, paparazzi, you know, uniformed officer, you know. Yeah. That, that's how I started my career. You're a third punk, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know okay. Guy who gets shot second and, you know, that up. Those are the guys that I originally played. Yeah, I, I just thought it was great. It was like in Fear and Loathing, like you're watching the movie and next minute, hey, that that, that that's Tim Thomas in there. And like, <laughs> oh man, I, I I was so still. I was so it, it it kind of put a stamp on you know you look at your career and I was like I said I didn't have a plan for a career. I sort of had a five year plan for everything. Well, I'll try this for five years. If it doesn't work out, you know, I'll, I'll go skiing. I'll be a I'll be a cook. I'll get you know. I'll do something. Yeah. Uh, but it all kind of just worked out the way it did. But that that was really for me uh, a great great experience. And having to have read that book so many times, and it was like a bible for every fiend that the, that that walked the West back in the sixties and seventies. That thing. And Thompson was unfortunately a, a, a madman, but yeah. you know, killing himself like that. But he was really a you boil it all down. He was a, he was a brilliant writer. Yeah. There's there's a book that no nobody really knows about uh, called Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. You yeah. may know about it. Yeah, yeah. But totally. it's Richard Nixon picked him out of the uh, the lineup of all the uh, the press the, the, the reporters. Yeah. Yeah, because he knew about he he knew about professional football, yeah. and Nixon was a football freak. Right. Did you know that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and he rode with him in the limo. Talking yeah, about yeah. So I, yeah, right. He rode. So I, I was thinking, well, oh, fuck, how, how crazy is that? Here's this guy on blow and and LSD and then and you know drinking and he's having a conversation with the president about you know football. You know the NFL, man. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of football, I finally I got some Aussie friends in in Thailand. Right. Surf with every summer, you know. Yeah. And I finally, finally got to figure out Aussie rules. I could never, I said, why do you guys, they would disappear. All you guys, they disappear in the daytime and, and go watch the games. I said, this guy's fucking gone. Yeah. And I finally, one, one guy sat me down, young Mick. He said, okay, lad, this is how it works. Yeah. And then I fell in love with it. The Aussie rules, rules, man, that's cool. Oh. I really dig it. <laughs> Oh, that's the one where they kick the but, uh, they kick the ball between the posts. That one, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it, and I would tell the Aussie guys, you know, that I knew. I'd say, I say, you know, too bad some of you guys can't get get stateside and you, you know suit up and play, you know, our football. He said, oh, now we we kick your ass. I said, well, I don't know, man. You, you take a three hundred fifty pound black dude who can run the fifty and five four wearing pads, you know. You might knock your ass down, you know. You guys are wearing shorts and, and cleats, and, you know, you're tough guys, but you got to suit up, man. You got to wear a helmet, hat. They didn't get it. They wouldn't, yeah, you're 
full of shit. You fucking yank. You know, you know what you're talking about. You know, anyway, you know, I'm talking about it. Uh, hey, did you did, when you when you did uh, you did a small part in the Osterman weekend? Did you get to meet Sam back in Oh yeah, that uh, that's quite a story if you want to hear it. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine who uh, is a when I was a kid, my my father was a fight fan. My dad was a fight fan. Right. So when I was a kid, the name Tom Huff was always around because he was a, a really good fighter. Right. And he fought out of the uh, the, uh, uh, the, the the stadium down in Los Angeles, downtown stadium. And so I knew who he was. And my best friend's cousin was Tom Huff's best friend. Wow. So fast forward years later, I'm uh, I'm doing a movie. I meet Tom. I say, hey. I, you know, I know you, these guys you know, and, yeah, yeah. and he was a really bitching guy, a great guy. Yeah. And he talked like this. He said, hey, man, you know, if you want to learn how to do this business, you got don't be a punk, okay? Don't 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 act like that. Don't listen to these assholes over here. Just do what I tell you to do, okay? And then, he, and then he'd walk away, and, and you'd, you'd have to pay the check for dinner. You know, he was just one of these, but a great guy. But he taught me how to ride a motorcycle. He taught me how to, uh, really how to ride a bike pretty well right. taught me to start fight he was just a great great guy he passed on now but he was a terrific guy so I get a call one time I'm an in-between agents and he calls me and says hey I need an actor who can ride a bike you want, you want to be in this movie you got a couple of lines I said well shit who's directing he said back and I said back and back and <laughs> I, I lost it yeah. I said, are you kidding me? Yeah. Fuck, I'll play a dead guy. I'll do anything. What do you want me to do? <laughs> he says, hey, relax, relax, relax. Take it easy. So, so uh, we go to the set, and I'm like, and now Courtney, that's the first movie Courtney ever worked on. Right, yeah. And he was Courtney. He was Sam's assistant on that movie. Wow. So Tom had just been the stunt coordinator on Convoy. Right. So Huff calls me to play this uniform officer who pulls over Craig T. Nelson. Right, right. So, I'm, uh, you know, I'm really, like, in awe of Sam Peckinpah because yeah. I'm, like, you know, the, the Wild Bunch is like church, right? Like, go to church when you watch that movie. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Huff says, hey, uh, come here, I want you to meet Sam. And Huff is this little hunchback guy who always spoke in Marlboro's and, you know, looking over his shoulder like someone's going to get him, you know, <laughs> those kind of guys. Yeah. He says, "Hey Sam, this is uh, Tim. He's uh, he's gonna he's gonna ride the bike in the scene." And I said, "And I'm like, like all earnest." And Mr. Peckinpah, what is it you want me to do, sir? Uh, you know, how do you want me to to to, to play the scene? And and he and he was skinny, and he had that he had the shade, and he smoked a cigarette. And he looked, it was Sam Peckinpah, man. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a, the bandana around his head. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, God damn, you know, I'm all excited. He says, uh, takes a hit on his cigarette. It is like in a scene in a movie and Tough's standing there and, and I'm all you know, bug-eyed waiting to hear what he says he wants me to do, you know. Right. He says, you see that bridge right there? He says, okay, I want you to come in underneath that bridge 90 and slide, okay? Yeah. You got it? <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm, I'm, come, I'm not bullshitting now. I want you, you hit the deck and you come slide in there at 90 and you roll up and you see if the camera will get you. And, and my, you know, I, I said, uh, well, Mr. Peckinpah, I'm a, I'm an actor. And he, and he looks at me, he goes, you're a what? You're, you're, you're an actor. And he looks at Huff, he says, I thought, I thought you were getting a stunt guy to do this thing. And, but the whole, they set me up. 
was so such a Peckinpah freak. Right, right. Peckinpah was in on the on the gag. And right. It was just a classic joke that they pulled on me because you know I probably would have done it. I would have right. you know, okay, fuck, man, I'll do that. You know, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll hit the deck. You know, and, and uh, but uh, I remember Tom telling me he says, "Hey, this isn't a dirt bike. You know, this is a cop motorcycle. You know, yeah. don't put your foot down, man. Just light up and." Give the guy the ticket and drive out of the scene, you know. So, right. but it was once again another great experience having to, you know, sort of be that close to Steve McQueen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, six degrees of McQueen and all that kind of deal. You know? That's great. Because I mean, I love the guy. I mean, I, even when I was a kid, I, there was a great TV series that you may not know. You can look it up. Uh, Brian Keith did called The Westerner. Oh uh, yeah, I've, I've seen all the episodes of it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's good, it's good. He created it, and uh, and I was just a fan of Peckinpah's, you know. It was really neat that I got to be in that thing. So. Yeah. That was cool, you know, Craig. I had known Craig T, because he used to be a stand-up before he became a okay. dramatic actor. You know? Right, wow. Yeah, he, 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 he and Barry Levinson and somebody else used to do like a, like a three-man stand-up deal right. at the comedy store before I, before I moved back to... To Los Angeles from New York to, to start my stand-up field. Right. So, yeah. That's cool. Does, you, is David Letterman known down there? Is he a, yeah, yeah. We we, we used to get the we used to get the late show. Um, it was on really oh, late okay. though. It was on yeah. like at eleven o'clock at night. Um, right, right. On like Channel Nine, and you know, I I used to see yeah, it right. because I had a I had a, a job uh, when I was younger. And I didn't get home till like you know nine or ten o'clock at night, and so that would be the that would be the first thing that would be on when I'd sort of sit down and watch some TV before I you know pass out. And you know it's yeah. the Late Show with David Letterman, you know. Yeah, um, it's funny, you know. You, I don't, you know, I got maybe I don't know three actor friends that you know, I can. You know, who I can say are friends of mine, like Helen Hunt's a friend, and, yeah. you know, Lance Wright would consider a friend, and, uh, yeah. I can't even think of anybody else right now. Brian's dead, uh, maybe Michael Work, you know, uh, uh, but, uh, but comedians, you know, it's funny, comedians, there's a camaraderie, uh, uh, uh like, I've known Letterman for 40 years, and, right. you know, all these other, you know, prior, I mean, Pryor was, I mean, he was really, he was like Zerby. He yeah. put me in three of his movies, you know. He he was so good to me. And, and yeah. you know, in comics, there's a camaraderie and, a, and, and they, they, they help each other out where actors, you know, they're real kind of covenant and, well, I wish I got the role. I should have got that role. Right. Why didn't you get that role? That, you know, that kind of yeah, petty yeah. kind of, uh, totally. you know, twatty type stuff, you know. Yeah. Should probably watch my language. <laughs> That's okay. You know, you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's a there's a uh, competitive thing going on. Well, yeah, it's weird, but yeah, but then you run on a guy like Gibson, and you know, there's just another dude, you know, with a bunch of kids who happens to be a Catholic. Yeah. You know, and and uh, and like hilarious. Yeah. And he, he, like you know, me and the guy on a you know on a construction site or a bar or something. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Or uh, Hackman, you know, or you know, you know, or Eastwood, you know, these guys know pretense, you know, like Bill Murray. The guy couldn't, couldn't be nicer, couldn't be funnier, and and 
you know, just really a cool guy. Yeah. Yeah, John Candy. John Candy was... Uh, oh, yeah. He was unbelievable. Yeah, what a shame, too. Gone. He was... Oh, man. But, but what a... Well, that guy was... You talk about a good guy. Yeah. And funny. Jesus, God, was he a funny dude. Yeah, totally. He called me up, and we'd be up in Canada, you know, and and my kid was like three, and he had his kids with him, and yeah. John didn't sleep, you know, and he was doing like Harry Crumb, and yeah, Harry Crumb, and yeah. it'd be 11 o'clock at night, you know, and he'd say, hey, 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 Jim, what are you doing, what are you doing? I said, John, it's fucking 11 o'clock, I gotta go to sleep, and he'd, yeah, 6 o'clock, call, I said, no, 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 don't worry about it, I'm, I'm the star, we don't think you're in the mind, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, you wanna go out, you wanna go out, let's go out, let's go out. And he called me, he said, let's go to the blues club, let's go to the blues club. So he called me, all jacked up, and you know, <laughs> we get this limo, and we drive down to this, this great blues club called the York, right. in, in Vancouver, and, right. and we, you know, we closed the place out, you know, he's up on stage singing, and, and you know, it, it was just great, you know, he was just such a, such a great guy, but, you know, the first movie we worked on was Volunteers, and, yeah, yeah. We shot it in Mexico, and, and I had spent quite a bit of time in Mexico. And, right. And you got to kind of have to be ready for Mexico. Or right. You have to understand it because it's, it's you know, it's, it's not your average country, you know. Right. And uh, John could not, he didn't, couldn't get it. He, you know, he shot in some remote locations with the double Thailand for right. volunteers, you know. And so he's in his motorhome, and his driver's a Mexican. Right. But his driver's an American Mexican, a guy from America. Right. Never been to Mexico. Okay. He got so sick on the food, he, he had to go back home. Frank, <laughs> he said, oh, fuck, man, I got too many Mexicans down here. I can't, I gotta get out of here. You know, <laughs> it's funny, but John, he, you know, we're shooting in a real village, you know, like yeah, yeah. where people live in huts and right, right. little, you know, ramshackle houses and yeah. cinder block homes and stuff. And there's chickens and pigs running out of the houses. You know, half naked kid. John couldn't take it. You know, you're a Canadian guy, you know. He's going, there's chickens in that house over there. How do I, I don't understand that. I, I don't, uh, how does that work? There's chicken just ran in the house. Did you see that? He, he's obsessed on it. My God, I, there's chickens and, and there's, 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 look at that. There's a pig in there, for God's sakes. I don't know. I, I don't, and the more he would do it, I thought it was really good, man. It was really funny. Because <laughs> he, but he meant it, you know. He was like, "I, Jesus Christ, how do these people live?" You know. <laughs> so he, he just couldn't get around the fact that, you know, right. once we got to the city, it was a little better. But you know, we, uh, God, we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. <laughs> Both of them. I mean, you know, he, yeah. there was a chicken in that house over there. I, you see that? He just ran into the house. <laughs> Listen, Tim, I've taken up way too much yeah. of your time. I, I finally get to say to uh, to one of my personal heroes, Tim Thomason, uh, it's been an extraordinary pleasure uh, to finally get to... Uh, oh, hey, man, man, listen, my pleasure, too, you know. Yeah. Okay, uh, you know, I like him when somebody you know, knows the stuff and likes to talk about it. Yeah. It was a little more fun.